Open the podcast bay door as hell. to episode 45 of Welcome to Geek Town. I'm your host, Kurt Onstead. I've been a proud geek all my life, being into role-playing games, board games, sci-fi, fantasy, and especially superheroes and comics. And I want to help others join me in those pursuits. But I've found that sometimes people can get overwhelmed or feel left out because they don't already have what some consider the requisite knowledge to be considered a fan. And that's where Welcome to Geek Town comes in. Here, you can ask your questions without feeling like a gatekeeper is calling you out for not yet being fully versed in every aspect of your new interest. I haven't received any new reviews in quite some time, so please, if you haven't already done so, I'd really appreciate you heading over to Apple Podcasts and giving a five-star review in order to move me up on the algorithm. This week's question is on a completely new area I've never covered before, but it is still one of my interests and definitely falls in what many would consider a geek realm. Joel L. used the submit a question form over at the website to say, Where do you stand on the Sondheim versus Weber debate? For those who don't know, what is the Sondheim versus Weber debate, and why do theater people care? Well, first off, Joel, it's Lloyd Weber. He has what is called a barreled last name, so you use both when referring to him by his surname. And what with Lloyd Weber's classic musical Cats coming to the big screen soon, this is a perfect time to cover your question. Thanks for asking it. Since musical theater is arguably even more niche a fandom than sci-fi or comics, let's first start by discussing the two men involved in this debate. First up is Stephen Sondheim, who was born in 1930, not too far from the Broadway stages his works would end up on. Probably his most famous work is West Side Story, but you may also be familiar with other pieces he contributed, either music, lyrics, or both two. Some of those better-known productions include Sweeney Todd, A Little Night Music, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Into the Woods, and Gypsy. I appeared in a dinner theater production of this, making it a personal favorite of mine. He's won multiple Tonys, Grammys, the Pulitzer, and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Obama. Sondheim has been involved with musical theater from a very young age, befriending the son of legendary lyricist Oscar Hammerstein, who took the ten-year-old boy under his wing. When Sondheim wrote his first complete musical at the age of 16, titled By George, Hammerstein critiqued the work at Sondheim's request. Stephen has been quoted as saying that he learned more about songwriting and musical theater in that afternoon than most people learn in a lifetime. 
Sondheim also got a formal education in musical theater by attending Williams College in Massachusetts. Once he graduated, he worked primarily as a lyricist at first, working with Leonard Bernstein on West Side Story and Julie Stein on Gypsy, but eventually graduated to his first Broadway play as both lyricist and composer. A funny thing happened on the way to the Forum. Since then, the great majority of his works have been solo ventures, musically speaking, with other writer-directors handling the book. That's the non-sung line spoken by the cast. On the other side of the pond, the Right Honorable Lord Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber was born in 1948 in London to a musical family. His full titles come from being knighted by Queen Elizabeth II and from his tenure in the House of Lords in Parliament. Both of his parents were professional musicians, and his brother Julian is a renowned cellist. With this lineage, it's no surprise that Andrew started writing music from a young age, beginning with a suite of six pieces at the age of nine. He met lyricist Tim Rice at the age of 17, and the pair worked together nearly continuously for over a decade, creating Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Evita. They went their separate ways after that, although they have worked together occasionally since then. Lloyd Webber has collaborated with a number of lyricists since then, and you'd be hard-pressed to not recognize some of the works he's created, including Cats, Sunset Boulevard, Aspects of Love, and The Phantom of the Opera. Considering how few musicals have been adapted to the silver screen in the last 50 years, Lloyd Webber's count of four is quite impressive. Like Sondheim, Lloyd Webber has racked up a substantial number of awards. Last year, with his Emmy win, along with co-producers Tim Rice and John Legend, Lloyd Webber joined the small club of EGOT winners, those who have won a competitive Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award. So, on the surface, these two musical theater giants seem to have much in common as award-winning and commercially successful artists. They even have the same birthday, March 22nd, albeit 18 years apart from one another. So why the bitter rivalry between their fans? And I should emphasize that this is only the fans that express these feelings. In my research, I couldn't find any quote from Sondheim disparaging Lloyd Webber, and actually found Lloyd Webber expressing a desire to collaborate with Sondheim. Although he notes it's unlikely since Sondheim writes both music and lyrics, and Lloyd Webber would only be asking for his lyrical talents. As I mentioned way back in episode 3, where I talked about the fan rivalry of Marvel vs. DC, I think this is mostly a desire for a binary contest, like Coke vs. Pepsi, where you can have your tribe that you automatically belong to. But if we dig deeper into the works of these two artists, we can find the differences that the two tribes will bring up as evidence of the superiority of one over the other. Let's start with this. Earlier, I called the pair both, quote, award-winning and commercially successful artists. 
However, this is less true than how it appears on the surface. Both artists have had a mix of commercial successes and failures over the year, but there's a great discrepancy between their track records on Broadway. Sunday in the Park with George won Sondheim the Pulitzer Prize for Drama, but in its original run, the show didn't recoup its costs. In fact, only three of Sondheim's solo efforts turned a profit in their first runs. On the other hand, Lloyd Webber's Cats and Phantom of the Opera are two of the top ten longest-running shows in Broadway history, and have made billions of dollars, with Phantom taking the very top spot on that list. And it's still running now, so it'll be a while before another show can claim that title. Even Sunset Boulevard, which was one of Broadway's biggest financial flops, ran for two years. It was the costs of the show, partially due to lawsuits during its pre-production, that caused it to not turn a profit, not lack of ticket sales. On the awards side, yes, both have won their share of accolades, but this is where Sondheim beats Lloyd Webber. With eight Grammys to Lloyd Webber's four, eight Drama Desk Awards, Webber has been awarded one, the prestigious Pulitzer Prize, and more Tony Awards than any other person in history, Sondheim's work is lauded as some of the best musical theater has to offer by critics. And comparing the award wins versus the financial success is where we really get to the crux of the argument between musical theater factions about the merits of Lloyd Webber versus Sondheim. It's the age-old discussion of pop art versus art for art's sake. Now, at this point, I'll be venturing less into fact and more into opinion. These are not necessarily my opinions I'll be espousing, but those of the two different factions. To Sondheim fans, his works are puzzles that need to be carefully examined and listened to over and over to appreciate the craftsmanship. Outside of musical theater, one of Sondheim's biggest loves is puzzle-making. Some of his completed works were even published in New York Magazine in the late 60s. Sondheim fanatics will call Lloyd Webber's works repetitive and simple. And they do have some evidence to back that up. As one prominent example, Music of the Night, arguably the best-known number from Phantom of the Opera, is six minutes long, but basically repeats the same six measures over and over. You'll leave the theater humming it, but you'll also leave the Disney ride It's a Small World humming that song. That doesn't necessarily make it good. This argument reminds me of another comparison made in an earlier episode, specifically episode 24, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Although I didn't bring up this aspect much, focusing more on the genre differences. When online fights break out between Trekkies and Warriors? The Trekkie side of the argument will call Lucas's stories simple with bad dialogue, and the Star Wars side will say that the popularity of the franchise shows how much better Lucas is at pulling at emotional heartstrings, 
compared to Roddenberry's drier science-based stories. While it's easy to think of Star Trek as a financially successful franchise, and most of the movies have made a profit, I will note that only 2009's Star Trek and its first sequel, Star Trek Into Darkness, considered by most fans to be the least Star Trek of the movies, are the only ones that have had box office totals comparable to even the least successful live-action Star Wars movie, Solo. Getting back to the main topic. Another accusation you'll hear from the anti-Lloyd Webber crowd is that he is a plagiarist. Lloyd Webber has been to court twice over such claims. One by songwriter Ray Rep was ruled in Lloyd Webber's favor, while one by Puccini's estate was settled out of court, with the public kept in the dark about the details of that outcome. Former Pink Floyd member Roger Waters has pointed out the similarity between the opening organ notes in Phantom and the riff from the Floyd song Echoes on their 1971 album Metal. Waters has said that he probably has a reasonable case, but doesn't want to deal with the time and money involved in bringing it before a judge. Having listened to a few of the clips side by side, you can find those comparisons on YouTube. I think arguments can be made either way. For instance, the riffs mentioned earlier are simple walkdowns and walkups of chords. That's a common enough trope in songwriting. On the other hand, while Lloyd Webber adds a D at the beginning and the end, they are otherwise identical notes at basically the same tempo. It could be unconscious inspiration, it could be theft. And of the clips I've heard, that one is the one I found most similar. So without more evidence, I won't pass a final judgment myself. Now, what do Lloyd Webber fans say about Sondheim? Well, pretty much nice things. I dug through message boards debating Sondheim versus Lloyd Webber, and the two sides were basically, Andrew Lloyd Webber is awful, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, and both are good in different ways. I couldn't find anyone who seriously tried to put forward an argument that Lloyd Webber is good, but Sondheim isn't. And that's where I come down on the discussion as well. There's absolutely nothing wrong with liking both. I love Star Wars and Star Trek. I love Marvel and DC. I love Sondheim and Lloyd Webber. Do I have favorites among those pairs? Absolutely. Are there times when I want to watch slash read slash listen to the one that's not my usual favorite? Absolutely. Sometimes you want to get introspective. Sometimes you want action and big explosions. Sometimes you want intricate harmonies and complex lyrics. Other times you want something simple you can sing along to. Neither of these are wrong. And I think the ideal is to spend a little time with each, as it'll make you appreciate the other's strengths all the more. As I think should be obvious by now, 
I prefer an inclusive form of fandom rather than an exclusive one. But it was still a fun topic to get into, and I hope you all enjoyed it as well, and maybe learned a thing or two on the way, or decided to maybe check out more work from either, or ideally both, of these composers. So, do you want to know more about something in the musical theater realm? Or would you prefer I go back to talking about comics or sci-fi, fantasy, or any other area I've discussed in the past? Either way, let me know what you'd like to learn more about by sending me an email at welcometogeektown, all spelled out, at gmail.com. Or you can ask your question anonymously if you prefer by clicking submit a question at www.welcome to, the number two in this case, geektown.com. Other contact options include facebook.com slash welcome to geektown or twitter at geektown podcast. Also, if you'd like to support the show directly, come join the Patreon at patreon.com slash welcome to geektown for just a dollar per month to get access to full scripts of the shows, outtakes, and a monthly shout-out. You can also help the show grow by subscribing and giving a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to join the Geek Town City Council, which helps other people find the show so we can all tell them, Welcome to Geek Town, Population, Us. Welcome to Geek Town is written, narrated, edited, and produced by me, Kurt Austin. Theme music is by Aaron Levitz, logo art by Archie Santana. All other sound clips are the copyrighted material of their respective owners, and no infringement is intended, falling under fair use.